So today, uh, some of you may know that today is National Orphan Sunday, and uh, we've got some booths set up out in the tables, actually out in the hallway, that you might want to stop by on your way out. It's interesting, I think uh, the same year, I'm not, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but during the same year, several years ago, we had, there were three ministries that were all launched, I think, during the same year, and they're all called Hope Something or Something Hope. There's Rescuing Hope, there's Hope Box, and there's Ignite Hope. So we, just, we got a lot of hope around here, y'all. And, uh, but uh, two of those ministries in particular have to do uh, with babies uh, and, and orphans and, and uh, things of that nature, adoption. And so uh, Hope Box and the Ignite Hope both have tables out in the back, and I would encourage you to, to stop by and see them on your way out today. But I want to give you some statistics um, from the, uh, these are Georgia, state of Georgia foster care statistics. Uh, 16,458 children came through the foster care system during Georgia's last fiscal year. Uh, So from July the 1st of 2020 to June the 30th of 2021, 16,458 children. Uh, On any given day, there are over 10,000 children in Georgia's foster care system. And every day, 22 children are victims of confirmed abuse or neglect. And there are 118 incidents of child abuse or neglect reported daily. Uh, it's, it's a big deal. It's a, a, definitely an area of, of need. We need to pray. Uh, we need to act. We need to ask the Lord uh, what he would have us do uh, we're blessed that we have two ministries that specifically have been called out of this church to operate in this area and are having an impact, uh, doing great things. And so um, check them out on your way out today, but also pray and just ask the Lord uh, how he would have you uh, participate in this. This is a need, really, that the church uh, could go a long way towards meeting the, the number of children in foster care, uh, the number of children who need a foster care home, and even the number of foster care children who need permanent adoption, that, that could be completely met by the body of Christ in the state of Georgia. It, it, that, that is such a doable thing. And so pray and ask the Lord. We have families in this church who, who have stepped up and, uh, and obeyed God's call in this regard. And um, so, it's awesome. Uh, Let's pray and just ask the Lord uh, what else he would have us do. Uh, Lord, we we love the way you work, and um, we we love that specifically uh, in your word, uh, you've called us uh, to to take care of widows and orphans. And Lord, you've even even shown us in your word uh, just the incredible idea of adoption and how we are, in fact, adopted into your family. And uh, what what an awesome gift. And so I I pray, God, that you would show us uh, both in in the supernatural and in the natural how your kingdom can be advanced uh, through adoption. And so I, I pray, 
Speak to us, lead us, put in our hearts the things that you want us to do. I pray that we would be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, one more thing before I uh, bring the message today. Uh, our next RS Together gathering, we, once a month we have one service where we all come together at 11 o'clock, and our next one is November 21st, so that's two weeks away. November 21st at 11 o'clock, uh, RS Kids will be available, so love for you to come and be a part of that. Uh, I want to say this about that day. Um, you'll remember last May, Melissa and I had a chance to travel with a group called the Awakening Project, and this group traveled around to different uh, spots of historic revival in America, and uh, we took college students with us and their ministry leaders and just really tried to tap into the wells of revival uh, from the past. And um, some of the leaders from that Awakening Project will be with us on the 21st. And um, I just, I believe that God is up to something, that he has something that he wants to uh, impart to Riverstone that day. And so I just really encourage you uh, to be here that day and to bring your friends. And uh, I just, I feel like it's going to be a big day. And so I'm excited about it and I hope you are. So uh, today and next Sunday, I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, what it means to follow Jesus. And uh, I, I kind of, as I was <laughs> thinking about that, I, I thought, well, you know, really, you should probably talk about that every Sunday. Um, and, and we do, we do, but I'm talking specifically these two Sundays about really what discipleship is and what it looks like and how it looks here, what it looks like at Riverstone and kind of what our, what our end goal is in, in discipleship. Because discipleship is not, a, it's not a program. It's not a crash course. It's not something, you know, you go through this crash course for six months and say, okay, now I've been discipled. It's a lifelong process. It is a lifelong journey, and uh, we're all on the journey. We're all on the journey. Uh, if you've made the decision to follow Jesus, you're, you're on this journey, and, and we're on this journey together. Now, we're not all in the same place. We're in different places on the journey, and it's not important that we all be in the same place. Uh, it's not even important that we all be moving at the same pace. What's important is that we're all going in the same direction. That is important. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, before we do that, I'm going to read from John's Gospel, chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 1. This is a familiar story. Nicodemus, uh, who is a Pharisee, he comes to Jesus at night. Uh, he's curious. He's, he's a searcher at this point, he's seen some things and heard some things from Jesus that have intrigued him, and he wants to know what's up. And so it goes like this. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. 
Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, we testify of what we have seen, but still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How, then, will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Lord, I pray again that you would speak to us, that our hearts would be open to what you want, what you want to say, uh, things that you want to impart, Lord, things that you want to shift in our minds and in our hearts, uh, we pray that your will would be done in this place and that our lives would be changed, that we would be made more like you. Lord, we love you. We, we trust you. We desperately need you. Uh, we are lost without you. And so show us the way today to be more fully engaged to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So like I said, this is a journey that we're all on, but we're all in different places. No, there, you know, we're not in identical places uh, on the journey, and we're not even moving at the same pace. Some people are moving fast, some people are moving more slowly, and that's okay. Uh, the important thing, as I said, is not the pace, but it's the direction. You know, are you going towards God? Uh, because our journeys are so different, there are things that have been a part of your, your journey that may not have been a part of mine, things that have been a part of mine that maybe have not been a part of yours. But there are some things that are true of every journey. There are some basic elements that will be a part of every journey. Uh, they may not look exactly the same in yours as, as they do in mine, but it's still the basic elements are the same. And so what I'm going to do today is talk about uh, these basic elements that are involved in every journey. 
and give a little idea of what they are and, and what they look like. Uh, and then next week, we want to talk about some things that God has given to us, uh, some practices, some things that we can give ourselves to, some things that we can put into our life that actually enhance uh, our journey, things that take us deeper into God's presence, things that keep us on the road. Because honestly, you know, if you don't know this already, you will find out eventually that the only thing you have to do to get off of the road is nothing. If you stop moving and you just totally relax and you put forth no effort and you have no pursuit, you just stop, you will drift. Uh, the saying goes that unless you are intentionally increasing, you are unintentionally decreasing. And that's just the nature of this journey. It is meant to be a journey of pursuit where we give ourselves to God and he gives himself incredibly uh, to us. Now, the first element that I want to talk about is repentance. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 Go like this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news, the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Now, repentance is a basic element of our journey. It has to be a part of your journey. And I know that our attitude towards repentance is not always that great. Uh, repentance is not necessarily something we love. And, and the reason is because we, we have a slight misunderstanding of what repentance is. We tend to associate repentance with shame. You know, repentance is that thing that comes when I feel sorry for, I feel really horrible about myself. I feel, you know, I get really deeply in touch with all of the horrible things that I have done, and it brings repentance. Well, there is a part of repentance that is connected to sorrow. I remember one time in a worship service, a worship leader stood up and said, let's take a minute and just think about all of the things we've done this week that made God sad. And I went, oh my gosh, <laughs> what a way to start. Okay, uh, let me regroup here for a minute. That's not necessarily all that there is to repentance. Uh, repentance, actually, uh, the clearest uh, definition that we have of repentance is to change direction, to change direction. So if I'm going this way and something happens that catches my attention and I realize, you know what, there's a better way to go. This way is not the right way. I'm going the wrong direction. To repent would be to turn and go in a better direction. Uh, the, the Greek word for repentance is actually metanoia, and metanoia means to change your mind. And it actually specifically means to change your mind after something. Metanoia is to change your mind after something happens. And so either you hear something, or you see something, or you read something, or you experience something that tells you, I'm going in a bad direction. And I need to change direction. And that's really what repentance is. It's coming to an awareness that there's a better way and choosing to go in 
that way. Uh, to repent in our context really means to make the choice to stop running our own life, to stop being in charge of our life, and put God in charge. That, that's really what repentance is. We're moving in a direction before we know Jesus, we're moving in a direction that is for us. We're thinking about ourselves. We're living according to the world. We're living uh, the American dream, whatever it is. We're a slave to our sin. We're a slave to our lust and to our own desires, and that's the direction that we're going. And to repent is to recognize, you know what? This is a road that leads nowhere. In fact, this is a road that leads to destruction. And the Bible says clearly there's a way that seems right to a man and the end of it is death. And to repent is to see that, to recognize that, and to, to realize, you know what? God has a better way. God has a better way for me than I have chosen for myself. And I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn and I'm going to go in a new direction. The second part the second element of this journey is confession. And confession is a word that sometimes we attach kind of a negative thing to as well. Sometimes when we think about confession, if you're Methodist, if you have Methodist history, you think back to those communion services where we read that prayer that says, we repent and confess our sins and manifold wickedness. I don't even want to know what manifold wickedness is. But sometimes we attach confession to the idea of making a list of everything we have ever done wrong. And that can be a bit overwhelming. Now, there is some good that comes from that kind of confession. There's some freedom that comes from that kind of confession. Now, the Bible says, actually, that if we confess our sins to each other, we can be healed. And so there's power in that kind of confession. There's even power that happens. There's, there's supernatural encounter that happens through making a list of everything you've ever done wrong. But you don't have to do it every day. I remember, actually, the night uh, that I gave my life to Jesus I was driving across a bridge, O'Neill Bridge, that crosses the Tennessee River from Florence to Sheffield, Alabama. And as I'm driving in a car across that bridge, far from God, living for myself, living in sin, God spoke to me and said, go to the church that you went to as a child where your parents still go, find the pastor and tell him everything you've ever done. That sounded like a terrible idea because I knew, I knew all of the things that I had done and I didn't see any reason why he needed to know. But that night I, I made my list and I sat with him and I gave my list of sins. And that night I gave my life, my heart to Jesus. But in this context of, of this journey, that's not all that confession means. It doesn't just mean making a list of your failures. It doesn't mean just making a list of your worst sins. 
Romans 10, 8, 9 says, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So there's a confession that is you telling who you are, and that's a list of your sins and weaknesses, but there's also confession that is you acknowledging who God is. And that is an even more powerful confession, is you declaring who God is. So confession contains you acknowledging that you're not holy, but also acknowledging that God is holy. Confession, it's a powerful thing. We confess that we are not holy and that he is holy. As an essential element of the journey, confession comes in the form of acknowledging who we are and who he is. Now, confession and repentance both have to do with changing your mind and changing the way you think and changing direction. Uh, I, I've mentioned to you before, my, my dad, my dad loved to tell jokes. He, he told us jokes every morning at breakfast, and I, my dad thought he was really funny. And sometimes he was. But his favorite joke, his favorite ever joke, and he, I've told it to you several times, but trust me, I haven't told it to you as many times as he told it to me. My dad's favorite joke was about the paratrooper. You know, he's trained, he goes to the classes, he's taught how to jump out of a plane, it comes time for him to do his first jump. They go up in the plane, and his instructor says, I'm gonna count to three, and then you're gonna jump, and you're gonna pull your rip cord, and the chute's gonna open, and if it doesn't open, you pull your safety cord, and the chute will open, and then you'll drift down to the ground, and when you land on the ground, there'll be a truck there, and they'll load you up and take you back to the base. And the man gets up there, and the instructor says, one, two, and then on two, he pushes him out. He pulls his ripcord after he's gathered himself, and nothing happens. He panics for a minute, and then he gathers himself again, and he pulls his safety cord, and nothing happens. He gathers himself, and he's screaming through the air at a high speed, and as he passes one of his buddies on the way down, he turns to his buddy and he says, I bet that truck's not down there either. <laughs> and that's the way a lot of us think. That's the way a lot of us think. Things went wrong yesterday, things are gonna go wrong today, and things are gonna go wrong tomorrow because that's just the way my life is. I can never get it right, I can never do it right. I just make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And for some of us, in order for our journey to improve, in order for our journey to become more consistent, to become healthier, and actually to become holier, one of the things that needs to happen is we need to repent of the way we think. We need to repent of the way we think, and that just means to change your mind. To change your mind and to choose to think another way. And so repentance and confession. I'm going to repent of the way I think, and I'm going to confess out loud that God has a better way for me, a better way than what I've been doing. So confession doesn't necessarily mean listing out everything you've ever done wrong, even though that, that can be powerful and life-changing. 
But confession in its strongest form means acknowledging who Jesus is and that he has a plan for you, a plan for your life that is better than anything you've ever experienced or could ever experience apart from him. Now, the third part, the third element in this journey is saving faith. Uh, John 3.16 says, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, saving faith is believing that Jesus died for you, that he died on the cross for you, that he died for your sins. It's also believing that God raised him on the third day from the dead. But saving faith goes further than just believing. Saving faith also includes the willingness to put your belief and to put your trust in him. You'll remember several weeks ago, we told a story about uh, Blondin, the, the tightrope walker, who walked across Niagara Falls several times on a tightrope, and everybody's watching and cheering. They're cheering him on. They can't believe it. He gets a wheelbarrow, and he walks across Niagara Falls on a tightrope with a wheelbarrow. And everybody's, this, this is amazing. And he gets the crowd's attention, and he says, how many of you believe I could put a person in this wheelbarrow and take them across and back. And everybody cheers, you can do it, you can do it. And he says, somebody get in. And nobody. And that's the difference between belief and faith. Because faith is willing to get in the wheelbarrow. And saving faith is coming to that place where you're ready to get in with God. You're ready to leave the life that you've plotted out for yourself and go full tilt, 100%, both feet into the, God, into the life that God has for you. After saving faith, we have two baptisms uh, that Jesus talks about and that John the Baptist talked about. Uh, Jesus said, or John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water. The one coming after me will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Uh, Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, when it comes to water baptism, this is a very important part of our journey. And, and some people in history have, have diminished this part of the journey, and others have elevated it to a place that it doesn't necessarily hold. Uh, some people teach that it's actually baptism that saves you, and, and we don't believe that. But we do believe that it's a very important part of the journey, that it's actually a public confession of where you stand. Baptism by water, and one of the reasons that we love to baptize by immersion is because it celebrates and actually symbolizes you dying to your old way of life and being raised in the power of God to a new life. Your old life dies and you get a new life. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said you have to be born again. You have to be born again. Your old life has to die and a new life has to be born. And when you are born by the Spirit, then you make a choice as a believer, as a child of God, to be baptized publicly 
usually uh, in a worship service, in a corporate setting, so that you can say to the body of Christ, this is where I stand. This is who I serve. And so there's water baptism, which is incredibly important. But then also there's spirit baptism. Jesus said, John baptized with water. In a few days, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain it this way. If you have put your faith in Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in you. But a lot of us in our Christian walk, we treat the Holy Spirit kind of like an airbag in our car. We know he's there, and if we have a wreck, he'll deploy. <laughs> he doesn't want to be your airbag. He wants to be your driver. He wants to be your driver. And being filled with the Holy Spirit means that you willingly move over into the passenger seat, and you give him the wheel. And you say, from now on, instead of asking you to go with me where I go, I'm going with you where you go. You're in charge. You lead. And Jesus said, when we make the decision to surrender in that way, we will receive power to be his witnesses throughout the world to every nation. Now, I want to say this about being filled with the Holy Spirit. There, there are four things that we need to know about it. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians, uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to know when Paul says that, it's in the imperative mood. And the imperative mood means that it is a command. It's not a suggestion. Paul's not saying, you know, some of you might consider being filled with the Holy Spirit. The rest of you are fine the way you are. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, be filled. It's a command, and he's saying it to the church, to all believers, be filled. The second thing we need to know about this is that it's in the plural voice, which means that it is for everyone. It's not just for special Christians. It's not for pastors and teachers and, and missionaries. It's for every believer. The plural voice means all of us. Uh, the third thing we need to know about it is that it's in the present tense. And this, to me, is one of the most powerful aspects of it. Being in the present tense, what Paul is saying when he says, be filled, he's actually saying, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not something you do once. It's something that is done to you forever. Every day, for the rest of your life, all day long, for the rest of your life, God is pouring himself into you so that you can pour yourself out for him. It's the way it works. It's the present tense. And then finally, it's the passive voice. And what that means is that it is something that is done to you. You, you can't fill yourself. God fills you. And so it is God pouring himself. I love that passage in Romans 5 that says that God has poured his love into us by the Holy Spirit. He is pouring himself into us constantly. Now, all of these elements 
that we've mentioned. All, all of these things occur in every journey. In every journey, these things happen. They don't always occur exactly the same way. Uh, sometimes they occur very close to each other. Sometimes, you know, the sequence of these four or five things happen quickly. Sometimes there are gaps in between. Sometimes there are gaps of, of years in between, sometimes only minutes. Uh, for some of us, the decision to follow Jesus is what I would call a hard turn. A hard turn. It was like that for me. Uh, you know, I, I was one night living for myself, 18 years old, freshman in college, living for myself, living in sin, only thinking about myself and what was best for me. And the next day, 24 hours later, fully surrendered to Jesus, 100% for him, radically saved. 24-hour period, 180-degree turn. That's a hard turn. For others, it's what I would call a soft turn. It's still a turn. There's still repentance. There's still a change that occurs, but it's a softer turn. Maybe, maybe you, you're asking questions. You're getting curious. You're interested. There's, you've had no spiritual interest, and then suddenly you begin to have some spiritual interest, and you don't immediately surrender to God, but you do start to ask questions. You start to go places. You start to hang out with people. Maybe you start to go to church, and you kind of like it, and you don't really understand why you like to be with these people, but you do. And then after a time, you decide, you know what? I, I think I believe this stuff. I never thought I would, but I, I kind of think I do. And for others, it's like this. You, you start going to church maybe at a really young age, and you never really understood the gospel. But as you got older, you, you knew one thing was true. You, you knew you'd rather be associated with the church that go, the crowd that goes to church than be associated with the crowd that doesn't go to church. And that's just kind of where you have laid it out. And so you just drift over here in this group and you just go along with the group. But you can't really say that you've ever been born again. You're just kind of going along. And then you hear something, you see something, you read something, something happens in your life and you hear the whisper of God. Do you love me? Do you love me? And it dawns on you, you know what? I think I do. And so there are different ways that the journey begins. And there are actually different speeds at which the journey continues. But as I said before, I'm not so concerned I'm not so concerned with the place or the pace. My, my main concern is the direction. Are we all going in the same direction? Are we moving towards God? Discipleship is the process of following God. It, it is the whole journey. Eugene Peterson described it this way, long obedience in the same direction. Long obedience in the same direction. 
It's not a crash course that you complete in six months. It's a lifelong journey. Now, it's important, I think, that we acknowledge and understand that we're not all in the same place. It's, it's easy sometimes to fall into that trap of thinking that everybody needs to be where you are. And even looking down on people that are not where you are. There's a reason, though, why God has positioned us at different places in the journey. If you're ahead of me, guess what you can do when I come into a rough spot that you've already gone through? You can help me. If we're all in the same place and we hit something that we've never hit before, we may all be in trouble because nobody knows what to do. But if there are some who are further down the road, we can help each other. Paul describes this in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, he says, and he's speaking to mature believers, and he says this, we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage those who are timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. What Paul is saying, he's telling the mature believers, here are the things that you can do to help those who are less mature than you along the way. Rather than looking down on them and trying to make them feel bad about where they are, call them forward and help them in their journey. So some are turning hard. Some are turning hard. You've, you've suddenly become aware of the reality of God around you and, and in you and through you. You've had a life-changing encounter with him and your life is changing quickly, quickly. Others are searching things out, and you want to believe, but you still have questions. And still others maybe are making calculated decisions and proceeding with caution. You're willing to go, but you don't want to be rushed or pushed, and that's okay. Pace is not the main concern. Place, not the main concern. Direction is the main concern. Now, next week I'm going to talk about, uh, like I said, some things that can help us as we move on this journey, that can help us propel us forward and help us stay on the journey. Uh, but what I want to leave you with today as we get ready to go into ministry time is, is just this question. Uh, where are you on this journey? Uh, nobody else really knows where you are. You, you most likely know where you are. You know if you've repented. You know if you've confessed. You know if you've put your faith in him. You know if you've been baptized as a believer in water and by the Spirit. You know. You know if you're stuck. You know if you're moving and things are going well. You know if you have doubts and fears that you can't feel like you can't tell anybody about. And so what I'm saying to you today is if you're stuck, trust me, everybody in this room has been stuck. I've been stuck, y'all. I've, I've hit places 
I've been a believer since I was 18, and I'm 32. <laughs> Plus 30. From 18 to 62, trust me, there have been times when I've felt stuck. Worst thing you can do when you're stuck is not tell anybody. Hide it. If you will come to the Lord and just say, God, I'm, I feel stuck. Guess what he'll do? He'll unstick you. <laughs> he will. He will help you get unstuck. It might not happen like that. It might be more of a slow turn than a hard turn. But he will meet you where you are and bring you to where you need to be. So today, I'm going to invite our teams to come. And, and my invitation to you is if you're stuck today, somewhere in your journey, you just you feel stuck. You feel like, you know what, I was going forward, and now I feel like I'm going backwards, or I feel like I'm not moving at all. We'd love to pray for you. But it also could be that you're here today and you, you look at this list of, of elements and you go, you know what, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever repented. I, I can't remember a time when I said, I'm going to stop going this way and go this way. I don't know that I've put my faith in God. I don't know that I've ever really made a decision to die to myself and be born again. So if any of those things, if you identify with any of those things today, uh, we would love to pray for you. We got some teams up here. I think maybe we'll have some teams on this side as well. And, uh, but we'd love to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray. And then uh, after I finish praying, I encourage you to come. Don't, don't wait around. Holy Spirit, we love the way you work. So we pray, have your way here today. Speak in the hearts of men and women and children in this room and call them into yourself. If there are people here today who are stuck, I pray you give them the courage to step out and to step forward and to get help. Because we all, we, we want to go with you. We want to go towards you. We want to be moving in the same direction. So help us, God. In Jesus' name.